Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. shouldn't be listening to me sing. How's it going, everybody? Another Algatulo Craft Beer cast on AM 970. The answer, how sweet it is to be loved by you. James Taylor's greatest hits. Got a chance to see James Taylor and Jackson Brown yesterday up at Bethel Woods, uh, the site of Woodstock all those years ago. And uh, what a great concert it was. Two iconic people, James Taylor, Jackson Brown. Just a fantastic show. We've got a great show for you tonight. News and notes to get to, but first, how can you follow me? Very easily on Twitter, at Al Gattulo. Instagram, at Gattulo. That's G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O. Facebook.com slash A-G Craft Beer Cast via email at Albert G at NYCRadio.com. Don't forget iTunes and uh, Google Podcasts. You just do a search for A-G Craft Beer Cast. You can find the shows on those platforms. Alexa Ready as well. We're on Odyssey.com as well as the Hopped Up Network. You head over to the HoppedUpNetwork.com you can listen to the podcast version of this show uh, usually a few minutes after uh, the Craft Beer Cast ends. You will hear the podcast version of this show. Now, coming up in 20 minutes, Chuck Aaron. He's the owner of Jersey Girl Brewing. He'll join me. We'll chat about his brewery in Hackettstown, New Jersey, actually Mount Olive. Uh, his take on uh, possible COVID restrictions coming back to the state of New Jersey uh, and some other stuff as well, and that's going to take place about 20 minutes from now. But let's dive into news and notes. There are plenty of it. And following closely on the success of their West Side opening this past spring, New York-based bottle shop, tap room, and craft beer curator Kraft and Carry welcomes the Upper East Side beer lovers into its seventh location. This is on 2nd Avenue between 84th and 85th Street as Kraft and Carry's largest location to date. Its newest store boasts a, the, brand, the brand's most impressive draft selection ever, 24 local rotating taps, primarily sourced from breweries within a 150- to 200-mile radius, uh, 32-ounce crowlers and growlers at 64 ounces to go, plus pints and beer flights in-house. It is a local and hyper-local beer lover's paradise on a broad scale. I have not been to any of the craft and carries yet. I absolutely must make a trip now, and obviously because there are a number of them, i got to get over there and check out what they have. But beyond the pours themselves, uh, they have free skee-ball games, uh, so bad there are good movies playing in the background and in a relaxed atmosphere, perfect for spending the afternoon with friends. Um, this is, and they also have here a summer-inspired collaboration with Broken Bow Brewery, 
uh, based in Tuckahoe, New York, called Past Curfew. It's a 5.5% German-style Pilsner. Um, it's uh, crafted from East Golden Hops and finished with an unmistakable zing of orange zest for a truly refreshing brew. Uh, they are now open on the Upper East Side, so check them out, Craft and Carry, if you are in uh, the city or are planning on traveling into Manhattan. Our good friends from Founders have announced their latest Mothership Series beer. It's called Harvest Ale each fall. Founders Brew House uh, uh, takes on some fresh, local, wet hops, uh, becoming their Harvest Ale. It's an impossibly aromatic and bright IPA bursting with fresh pine, melon, and citrus notes. Harvest Ale clocks in at 7.6%. Harvest Ale will be available on tap and for purchase in Founders Grand Rapids and Detroit tap Tap Rooms at the end of September. For a limited time, the pricing in the tap room will be uh, $10 for the four-pack. And the other big news for this segment, and we'll, we'll dive into this because obviously this is a big deal, and it happened last week, and I didn't get a chance to really talk about it, and I really wanted to expand on it because we had Joshua Bernstein on for, um, for two segments, and I really wanted to, I didn't want to give this a short shrift, even though there are so many people these days with Goose Island Beer and AB InBev and how they don't buy it anymore because you can get it everywhere and this and that, but it's still a big deal, Goose Island's Bourbon County Stout. It's a big deal during Thanksgiving. It was a big deal during the pandemic. Um, they ended up, I think, what was it, the United Center? They had the, the bottles the, the, to you know purchase and, and go pick up because they wanted to make sure that, <clears throat> excuse me, that people were able to get it without being crammed in line due to social distancing restrictions. So it's still a big deal, and especially in Chicago, it is still a big deal. I mean, Josh Knoll, the great writer for the Chicago Tribune, still devotes an entire you know article uh, or two to it where he's breaking it down, and he wrote the book on Goose Island. So, you know, um, whether you love AB InBev or you hate AB InBev, Bourbon County Stout is still a big deal. So they have released seven different variations of the Barrel Age brand along with their classic this year. So, and again, this comes out usually, it's Black Friday, it's the day after uh, Thanksgiving where it's released, right? The... Um, all of them are very aggressively high in ABV. Uh, it lingers around 15%. There are no barley wines or wheat wines this year. Uh, they are just doing stouts this year. And there's some interesting variations. So, of course, the classic Bourbon County Stout, which is 14% or 14.4%, depending on where you buy it. Um, this one has been mixed in, mixed in bourbon barrels from distilleries such as Heaven Hill, Wild Turkey, and Buffalo Trace. Each aged in freshly emptied bourbon barrels for 8 to 14 months. Uh, so that's the, that's the original. Then you've got Bourbon County Cherrywood Stout, which clocks in at 14.3%. So there's cherrywood, honeycomb, uh, and a honeycomb shape allow for maximum flavor extraction. Uh, complex characteristics like red fruit, ripe cherry, and light toffee, which are not found in the original oak barrel itself. So this is a little bit more of an elevated um, Bourbon County Stout, right, with the cherrywood. Then they have Bourbon County Reserve 150 Stout. So this Bourbon County one, this clock's in at 15.6% ABV. It's a Reserve 150 Stout, aged for one year in Old Forester's 150 Anniversary Bourbon Barrels. Uh, Old Forester's uh, handpicked 150 barrels from resting places within the Old Forester Barrel House to create three unique batches, uh, honoring their founder George Garvin Brown and his process of batching from three original distilleries. You've got some barrel-forward flavor with notes of chocolate, vanilla, coconut, followed with molasses, almond, berry, and oak. 
Then you have Bourbon County Double Barrel Toasted Barrel Stout. This is at 16%. This was aged for one year in Elijah Craig's Small Batch Bourbon Barrels, and then another year in Elijah Craig's Toasted Bourbon Barrels. So this is two years in two different barrels, uh, and it's it's kind of, I don't want to say bounced around, but it's been obviously transferred. This is a special limited edition one. They're uh, talking about notes of chocolate, caramel, and vanilla coming from flavors of toasted marshmallow and a very pronounced fruit and oak finish. Then you got Bourbon County Reserve's Blanton Stout. They partnered with Blanton's and they aged the Imperial Stout for 18 months in one of the world's most sought-after bourbons. This clock's in at 15.4% ABV. Uh, uh, Rich, dark chocolate oak notes finished with warm aromatics of baking spices with uh, such as clove, nutmeg, and cinnamon. Uh, then you've got one that's a little weird, even for me. Bourbon County Classic Cola Stout. Apparently, this is a f- the first ever cola-inspired variant. Brewers Paul Cade and Jason Krasgowski uh, bonded over their love for a classic cola while creating this stout. So they uh, classic cola picking up the flavor profile from a whiskey cola, added lime and orange juice and zest, plus coriander, cassia bark, nutmeg, brown sugar, and vanilla. Uh, they said this is the ultimate twist on a whiskey cola and a must-try for Bourbon County Stout Cola or whiskey and cola lovers. That's an interesting one. Very strange. I, I'm, I'll be honest. That's, that's just, to me, that's a, that's a very strange one. Um, then they're doing a Bourbon County 14 Stout. They're uh, digging into the proprietor. Now, this is a Chicago-only release. Uh, they're bringing back a fan-favorite Bourbon County 14 Stout. This time they're adding a twist to it. They upped the rye ante by adding rye to the mash bill, uh, layering cassia bark, cocoa nibs, panela sugar, and coconut water. It is an intricate, sweet, and spicy flavor profile that will have fans going back sip after sip. You can only get that one in Chicago. And then Bur- uh, Proprietor's Bourbon County Stout. For the second year in a row, this is inspired by a classic frozen treat and brewed again uh, by the mastermind Emil Cosmo. Uh, Emily Cosmo, excuse me, a flavor house specialist. Emily has the knowledge and skill to bring her dessert treats to life. It is blended with luscious strawberries, aged in bourbon barrels, vanilla, and coconut, reminiscent of a classic strawberry ice cream bar. That's interesting. Now, the 14 Stout and the Proprietor's Bourbon County Stout, the ABVs are to be determined, which tells me they have not uh, bottled these yet. They haven't gotten the the right settings yet that they want it before they're uh, ready to put it in the bottle. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So one of them is a Chicago-only release. Uh, the other ones, obviously, are going to be rare. Some of them are going to be rare uh, around the country. And then, of course, you're going to have the regular Bourbon County Stout, which a lot of places were selling. I saw it for as, as inexpensive as nine ninety nine for the regular one. So expect to pay probably over $20 a bottle for the variants if you can get them. Uh, I know some places will have more than others depending on how much Bourbon County Stout they, they actually sell. So uh, we will see what happens there. But, you know, again, whether you love them or hate them, I don't think I bought a bottle last year. I still have bottles from years past. I've had them aging. Uh, I'm looking to crack one open during the fall on a cool night, uh, sitting out in the backyard and enjoying it with a couple of friends. It's definitely not something you want to drink alone. So, uh, you know, listen, for those that hate it, I, I get it. You're not going to buy it. But for those that love it, It's a big deal for them. When we come back after a short break, we're going to have more news and notes from around the beer world. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
That's right. Why are we here? Well, welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. A little rush, roll the bones. Why am I playing Rush? We're going to get to that in just a moment. You can follow me very easily on Twitter at Al Gattulo, Instagram at Gattulo. That's G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com, slash AG Craft Beer Cast via email at Albert G at NYCRadio.com or on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can find the shows on those platforms. Alexa Ready as well, Odyssey.com, iHeartRadio, and of course, the Hopped Up Network. Now, coming up in 10 minutes, Chuck Aaron, the owner of Jersey Girl Brewing, is going to join me. We're going to chat about his brewery in Hackettstown, New Jersey. Actually, Mount Olive. Mount, ugh, easy for me to say. Mount Olive. Um, his take on possible COVID restrictions within the state of New Jersey. That's going to happen in about 10 minutes from now. Uh, why did I play Rush? Very simple. Rush Canadian Ale, brought to you by Henderson Brewing out of Ontario, Canada will be released on August 30th. Now, obviously, it's a local-only brew. The boys from Rush are from Ontario. Um, So you will only be able to get it there. Uh, But that's very cool. So Henderson Brewing is brewing a beer called Rush Canadian Ale. They had posted something on their Instagram page the other day uh, and with the hashtag, why are we here for the beer? Obviously, uh, a Rush beer, which I'm sure is getting a lot of Rush fans very excited, but unfortunately, you're only going to be able to get the beer in Canada. I don't believe they ship to the continental U.S. So, uh, you know, that's something that, uh, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to partake in uh, here in this country. Now, uh, we're talking about COVID restrictions, Brooklyn Brewing, along with many other breweries. In fact, uh, I'm out at Wild East Brewing uh, this past week. Uh, those folks are going to be joining me on next week's program. I did a taped an interview with them. Uh, that we will air next week on the program with Brett Taylor, Lindsey Steen, and Tyler Marsh from Wild East. They, along with many others, are going to have to uh, ask people to show their proof of vaccination if they walk in. So you got to have an Excelsior Pass, an NYC COVID Safe app, or your vaccination card ready, whether you bring it in person or you have it on your phone, uh, in order to get, get into a brewery, a bar, a restaurant, a gym, anywhere else. Um, so, you know, I know people don't like this. People don't want mandates. But this is how it is in New York City, and you're going to have to follow the rules right now. I know that there are a number of lawsuits that are going on out there, but the mayor seems to think that um, it is, uh, you know, uh, court proof that he can get this passed. And so far, it looks to be the case. So just be aware of that. If you're going anywhere in New York City and you want to go to a brewery to visit, no matter where in the five boroughs, You're going to have to show your vaccination status. They will ask you for it. Um, Businesses are not going to be fined until September. And I do think it's a little unfair for the businesses to be the police uh, of this thing, uh, of of, of this vaccination thing. So we will see uh, what happens. The Summer Swelter Craft Beer Festival that's held in Pittman, New Jersey, going to be held on August 28th at Total Turf Experience, 614 Lambs Road in Pittman. Uh, They are proud to partner exclusively with New Jersey Craft Breweries. Uh, on-site food trucks, live music, covered seating, VIP ticket holders will take advantage of an extra hour of early entry. Smaller crowds, small batch brews available first to VIPs. That's from noon to 1 p.m. is the VIP hour. 1 to 5 is the general admission. It's hosted by Neck of the Woods Brewing, Kelly Green Human Vi- Kelly Green, and Human Village Brewing. UptownPittman.com uh, for more information and to get tickets. So that's taking place next weekend. A lot of South Jersey breweries are going to be there, along with others as well. Uh, Bolero Snort, our good friends over there, on Saturday, September 11th. And while I know that is a day for many who live 
on the East Coast, and especially the New York and New Jersey area, as a somber day. Uh, our friends at Bolero Snort are kicking off their tailgate kickoff, first annual, live music, yard games, and, of course, beer. Uh, they want you to come kick off the new football season as they host their first annual Meadowlands tailgate kickoff. They'll be featuring live music from their friends at Unexplained Bacon. Starts at noon till whenever the beer runs out. I'm sure they will have plenty of beer specials, slushies, and other things that will be going on that day. And if you haven't been to the brewery over in Karlstad, I urge you to check it out. It is worth the stop. Trust me. And if you're on your way to the game, whether it's a college game, whether it's a giant game, jet game, whatever it is, you can stop over at Bolero, pick up your beer on the way to the game, and, uh, you know, you can tailgate with some good stuff instead of drinking the other nonsense in the parking lot. That's all I'm saying. Uh, a seasonal Firestone Walker Classic has made a uh, return this fall, the release of Oaktoberfest. It's a uh, oak-inspired homage to the a great Bavarian tradition of Oktoberfest. So they've been making a fest beer periodically for more than 15 years. This year, though, uh, they rolled out Oaktoberfest oak-aged lager in six packs of 12-ounce bottles and draft formats to all Firestone Walker markets. But this, though... The beer was lagered in French oak barrels from a premium Napa Valley Cabernet producer. The beer's light amber color foreshadows its toasty, biscuity flavor. The oak barrel lagering allows for an even smoother mouthfeel, all while remaining true to the beer's crisp malt profile and hints of noble German hops. So kudos to the folks uh, from Firestone Walker. It is out now. I've seen a few people that have had, that have had it. So you definitely want to uh, stop by your local liquor store uh, to pick that up. Uh, over at Yards Brewing, they have announced the Philly Standard. This is uh, a 4.5% ABV made with four simple ingredients, malt, hops, yeast, and water. Uh, it is another one of these uh, you know, uh, easy-drinking beers that everybody seems to be putting out now because I, I think people are getting a little, a little I, I guess there's a little fatigue on the higher-end beers, uh, talking about higher ABV beers. Now, uh, this Philly Standard uh, is uh, offered in a new 15-pack format, that started uh, on August 15th. It is available now. And again, it is a, uh, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out if this is a, yeah, I guess it's a Pilsner uh, at 4.5% uh, ABV. So if you want something that's easy drinking and you're uh, a fan of yards, the Philly Standard is certainly for you. Now, here's a beer um, that I certainly will not be drinking, even though it doesn't have this condiment in it. I am not a fan of mayonnaise. Of all the condiments in the condiment world, mayonnaise is not my favorite. I, I detest it. I think mayonnaise is one of the worst condiments on the planet. I'm okay with mustard. I love ketchup. I love barbecue sauce. But mayonnaise, ugh, even just, ugh, I don't know. There's something about it I'm just not crazy about. However, Champion Brewing and Duke's Mayonnaise have joined forces to create a mayonnaise-style beer. So right there, I'm turned off. There's I, ugh. Now, apparently, there's no mayo in the beer. It's called Family Recipe, but it is designed to pair with the condiment. It's a Vienna-style lager uh, that a spokesman uh, for the brewery says goes really well with a BLT sandwich. Champion describes the brew as a light copper, medium-bodied lager with a toasty malt sweetness. Uh, it was released this past Friday. Again, it doesn't have mayonnaise in it, but the fact that it, they want you to pair it with mayonnaise <laughs> just cringes me to no end. However, if you uh, like your um, libations and you like breakfast and you're a fan of IHOP, well, IHOP is now introducing alcohol to their menu. 
The Pancake House has announced that it'll be rolling out a Bubbles wine and brews section to its menus. It's going to feature domestic and locally sourced wines and beer, as well as champagne options. So you can have that mimosa at IHOP. The new beverages are already available at select locations in San Diego and New Mexico. Good place to try it out is San Diego. Great beer market. Uh, to test out the new additions, there are plans to expand to New York, Maryland, Rhode Island, and Ohio in the coming months. The culinary team has even curated a list of pairings to match an alcohol beverage with an IHOP favorite. That's pretty cool. So have your pancakes and a beer, too. Of course, you know, eggs and bacon, you know, they have burgers there. They have all kinds of different things. But IHOP is primarily a breakfast place. So it would be interesting to see if they'll be serving beer uh, in the morning uh, at your local IHOP. be interesting to find out. Our friends from Heavy Seas, they've announced the latest uh, release from their 15-barrel brew house. It's called Juice Cannon Mai Tai. It is another tw- uh, exciting twist on their on a flagship IPA. Loose Cannon Juice Cannon uh, Mai Tai is bold, a juicier counterpart. It's influ- infused with the flavors of Polynesia's most famous refreshing cocktail. Perfect balance of sweet and tangy. Uh, t- uh, t- uh, tangy. Tangy. Listen to me. Tangy. Uh, it is brewed with lime, orange, and origot syrup. So take a break, relax, and enjoy the sunshine. You're on island time. It'll be released in four packs of 16-ounce cans, juice can, and Mai Tai on August 27th. Uh, our friends from Stone have released Stone Hazy IPA. It's an easy 6.7% uh, beer. It is uh, El Dorado and Azaka hops. It adds citrus and fruit, fruit elements, while intense Sabro hops bring out the tropical notes of the beer. No fruit added. Intensely juicy. Uh, orange, lemon, melon, mango, and pineapple flavors. And it is quite hazy. So it's Stone Hazy IPA coming out 6.7%. It's available in California now. It'll be rolling out nationwide uh, very soon. And then finally... On Saturday, August 28th, Seedstock Brewery and Launchpad Brewery releasing Crop Circle the Second. It's a bright, vibrant cream ale. It's a 6.3% ABV brewed with lager yeast at, an ale temp- at ale temperatures and a healthy addition of Colorado wildflower honey. Very cool from those folks at Seedstock Brewery and Launchpad. Again, August 28th, Crop Circle 2. It is a 6.3% uh, cream ale. Now, when we come back after a short break, our good friend Chuck Aaron from uh, uh, the owner of Jersey Girl Brewing is going to join me. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, Tom Petty, and don't do me like that, boy. That's an artist that we miss very much. And I had an opportunity to see Tom Petty at the Prudential Center about two months before he passed, and I turned it down, and I regret it to this day, which is another part of my promise to say if I'm if there's a show that's coming around, if you know there's something happening and I can do it, I'm going because I don't want to have any regrets that I missed. Uh, out on an artist like Tom Petty. But, uh, you know, 
let's uh, di- you know let's let's get away from the music for just a second. We want to obviously focus on beer. My next guest is one of the founders of a brewery in Mount Olive, New Jersey, since 2014. It's been a while uh, since we've had him on the program. They're open Wednesday through Sunday. They're very much dog friendly. Uh, for more info on the brewery, you can follow their Facebook page or just head over to jerseygirlbrewing.com. And as I said, it's been a while since this man has graced the show's presence. Chuck Aaron, welcome back, sir. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. You got it. Uh, Chuck, Oktoberfest is back, and I know that people complain that Oktoberfest beers, pumpkin beers, and the like hit the shelves way too early. But there's a reason behind why certain beers are put out in the summer months. Can you explain to the audience why that is for some, for those that don't know? Yeah, you know, these are lagers, um, especially our Oktoberfest. It's, it's a Märzen-style lager. And lagers are different than ales. There's really two kinds of beers. There's either ales or lagers. Um, the, the difference is that when you do a lager, you've got to put it in the tank probably six to eight weeks before you're going to be putting it on the shelves because the way that beer ferments, it's going to ferment it at a temperature that means you've got to leave it in the tanks longer. And then once it, it's done fermenting, then it's got to lager. It's got to go through that lagering process. And then at the end, we actually let ours sit a little bit longer because we like to let things naturally filter out. We don't like to run things through uh, different chemicals and, and processes to filter out beers like some of the big guys will do. We like to let things settle out of the tanks. So that, that clarifies the beer. So in the end, you get a really beautiful craft lager that's done the proper way of doing it without cutting any corners and you wind up with a really tasty beer so that's our our oktoberfest 2021 is you know actually just came out this week now the festival itself of of oktoberfest is at the end of september right so we don't have that much time to sell all this great beer that we've just made so that's traditionally why people launch it a little bit early because you want to get into all the retailers you want to get it on your bars we want to put it on tap here at the brewery and have it available to customers so they can get it, stock up on it, um, and enjoy it right up until Oktoberfest. And, and there's nothing wrong with having an Oktoberfest beer in the month of August, let me tell you. They are very refreshing and uh, always good when you're having a barbecue, especially Labor Day weekend right around the corner. Now, one of the other things that I noticed, Chuck, you, like so many other uh, breweries, dove into the hard seltzer realm. Was demand that high uh, that you decided to make one? It was. You know, it, it's the one thing as a brewery. We're not allowed to do quite a few things within the New Jersey license with regards to beverages, right? right. We're a beer business. We can do some sodas and things like that. But when Hard Seltzer came out, it immediately opened up an opportunity for those customers who come to the brewery or who want to support the business, but they don't drink beer because they're gluten intolerant. Right. Seltzers are gluten free. So now we have these. We have a new wave of customers who who have found and, and are enjoying the brewery through these seltzers because they're they're a they're still five percent alcohol. They're light. They're delicious. They're great summer beverages. Um, so yeah, we we knew we could do it. We learned how to do it. Took us a couple of runs at it to kind of figure out to get the right clarity and all that for our seltzer and the right flavor. We use real puree. So we don't put any chemical flavors in. Everything we put in is, is pureed fruit. So there are different things we do in our processes that help our seltzers kind of distinguish themselves from some of the bigger name brands. We're talking with Chuck Aaron. He's the owner of Jersey Girl Brewing, located in Mount Olive, New Jersey. JerseyGirlBrewing.com is the website. For more information, we're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. So, Chuck, COVID-19 hit back in March of 2020. 
How badly did it affect your business operations? I know everybody kind of took a hit early on and then sort of, you know, navigated and figured their way, uh, you know, out of it. How bad was it for you guys? I, I don't think it was easy for us. I don't think it was easy for anybody, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, for the business side of, you know, the loss of, I mean, we were closed as a, as a business for four months. All of our downstream business was closed for four months. Right. So, everything we had done to build up to the St. Patty's Day. Remember, it was St. Patty's Day weekend when when the whole state shut down initially. So we had built up a lot of beer inventory. Thank God I've got a great team. I'm going to put it that way Mm -hmm. because we immediately had to shift. And we had to shift to to go packaging immediately. We had to go to an online store. So everybody kind of jumped in and said, you know, we want this thing to keep going. We're going to have to do things differently. And then, yeah, I love the way they all just kind of shifted into their new focus. Uh, some people, unfortunately, we couldn't bring back because we just didn't have the sample room. So we had to kind of let our sample room staff uh, take some time off. Mm-hmm. But it was good for them because most of them have full-time jobs, and this was kind of their second job. Right. So it didn't didn't hurt them as bad. But we didn't – our main team of full-time brewers and things like that, we kept them on. You know, it's part of our responsibility – as much as we can as a business to keep them employed. And we did that at some of the cost of, you know, margin and profit to the business. We didn't do well during that period because it was more important to keep our employees. Uh, and that way when we come, came out of COVID, right. we were still with the same staff. Guys were still brewing. Um, so we came out in a good way with the right team. Uh, we bought a canning line. Coincidentally, uh-huh. we bought a canning line right before COVID. Wow. And, I tell you what, it's a saving grace because um, it got delivered about a week after COVID started. And we assembled it as a team here. We installed it. We had some electricians come in and hook it up. And within three weeks of COVID, we were now able to can our own beer, which changed and brought us out of this thing a lot faster because that's really all the market was taking at that point sure. retail cans. And a lot of people Thanks were relying right and a lot of people were relying on mobile canning and they could only keep up with so much in the business so I mean it was fortunate. Uh, I know another brewery on Staten Island flagship brewery had the same thing they had installed their canning line the week before covid hit and if it wasn't for that you know they basically said we would have been out of business for for an extended period of time and who knows if we would have been able to uh to start back up again. Now, the other issue that I have with the, with all of the COVID stuff is obviously the Delta variant. It's the dominant strain throughout the state. We've not seen the restrictions to bars and restaurants like New York City has, and they're not going to start enforcing it until next month. But do you think that those restrictions could return from Governor Murphy if things do get worse in the next, say, month or two? Yeah, you know, I I, I thought I had a crystal ball. And I'll be honest, when, when COVID started, mm. uh, I, I was – I was one of these people that said, oh, it's only going to be around a month. You know, oh, it's only going to be a couple of months. Well, right. so, shame on me for guessing. I really don't, I don't know, but I can tell you what, if we're directed to do something, we're going to comply. Okay. Right. We've always complied. Our, our, we're, we're a heavily regulated industry. Right. Um, I've already been shut down once. I'm going to look to avoid any unnecessary angst that I can create for the governor that might, you know, have him do things that, that are going to be negative to my business or my industry. I care about all the guys, all the all the women and all the breweries out there that are fighting right now to get through this. And it's not easy for any of them. I've, I've talked to some that have had some very, very difficult times. And we've been kind of blessed with, you know, like getting a canning line 
like your other example, if we hadn't had the canning line, I looked at the cost of canning of what we did last year. If we had to do all that remote canning, uh, it would have crippled us. It would have crippled us as a brewery uh, in a in a way that I don't know we could have recovered from. You know, so we're if if we're mandated to 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 do certain things like we did during the first round of COVID, we would do it again because I think if you look at what breweries did to follow the rules, socially separate, put the barriers up, keep people off bars, bring people outside and keep them six feet apart, groups of no long, no lower, larger than like six or eight people. Mm. The breweries were doing it. The breweries did it. Every brewery I went to was following the rules yep. because they understand how important it is to remain open and remain viable in their community. That's so right. A huge applause for the, for the breweries out there that, that were doing what they were supposed to be doing through all this because we're coming out of this in a really good way. Right. And, and you know what it is, Chuck? All of you guys, or most of the majority of you, all across the United States, you've put your life savings, you've put investments into this business. It's not as if, well, if it, if it goes out, I've got something else to fall back on. This is your business. It's your livelihood. So, you know, kudos to you guys. Kudos to everybody out there who has followed the rules. We're talking with Chuck Aaron, the owner of Jersey Girl Brewing, located in Mount Olive, New Jersey. JerseyGirlBrewing.com is the website for more information. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Last question for me, Chuck. Your summer tribute concert series is going on right now. Uh, Labor Day weekend is coming up just two weeks from now. Who do you have uh, playing in the uh, in the backyard for uh, Labor Day weekend? You know, the big one The big one coming up around Labor Day for me is going to be the, the Billy Joel Tribute Band, which is going to be actually, I'll, I'll promote this one. It's our 9-11 show. Uh, it is a really important show because it's, it's going to be our 20th anniversary of, of the 9-11 occurrence. Right. Uh, we're trying to bring in this Billy Joel Tribute Band because I think his songs, his music kind of, you know, if you're, you're my age, you know, it, it rings true. It, it was a, a time, you know, where you could think back and go, wow, you could sing along with these songs. They meant something to you when you heard them. Mm-hmm. They were a lot of fun. So that's going to be an amazing show. We're doing things like, you know, we have Tom Petty this weekend. We, we've got a, a number of uh, Allman Brothers bands lined up. We've got country rock lined up. So right. there, there's a, they're really great musicians. Uh, and, and the good thing about them is, remember, when all the bars and restaurants and venues shut down, musicians had no place to go. That's right. Uh, we were bringing them here. We would put them in the beer garden, uh, solo acts, duos, uh, small bands. We've had music here for the last year. We just love, I love music. I love live music. And I love good live music. So that's awesome. Every band we booked here has been, been awesome. So, yeah, we do it out in the beer garden. Uh, we have about 8,500 square feet outside with tables and umbrellas. And it is on a, on a beautiful day in the summertime or in the fall, it's going to be great to be out there. So, yeah, thanks for, for asking about that because it's such a great option for people right now as things are, you know, kind of confusing. We're still, you know, our tables outside are still socially separated. Right. Even though we're not required to do it, uh, we just do it. It's just we'd rather have people with their own personal space um, and, people, and enjoy it. And make people feel more comfortable, which is, uh, which is always a good for thing. Sure. My guest has been Chuck yep. Aaron. He's the owner of Jersey Girl Brewing. They're located in Mount Olive, New Jersey. You heard him say it's September 11th concert uh, coming up in a couple of weeks with the Billy Joel Tribute Band. Check out their uh, website, jerseygirlbrewing.com. You can get all the details there or on their Facebook page as well. Chuck, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Very much appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. You got it. Anytime. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer.
Now, if you're a guy like me, welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, when you hear this song from Jackson Brown, Somebody's Baby, you think immediately, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And don't tell me that you don't think of that movie, because everybody around a certain age thinks of certain things with certain songs. And this song is so easily identifiable with the movie. Fast Times at Ridgemont High got an opportunity to see James Taylor, Jackson Brown over this past weekend. And uh, what a phenomenal show by two legendary artists. Uh, I, there was a couple of different ways I could have went with what song, Jackson Brown's song, I was going to pick. I was actually going to do Take It Easy from the Eagles because people forget Jackson Brown actually wrote Take It Easy. He gets a credit on, on the Eagles album uh, for that song. He had been trying to finish it and couldn't finish it and gave it, if I'm not mistaken, if I know as the story goes, he gave it to Glenn Fry, and Glenn finished it. And he said, it's yours. You know, you finished the song, it's, it's, it's yours. And the Eagles ended up giving him credit on that album. And when Glenn Fry passed, uh, I think it was not too long after they had the Grammys, and Jackson Brown sang Take It Easy uh, with the Eagles in tribute. So uh, just a little music history for you there. As we dive into our final segment of the program, which, of course, as always, is Suds and Duds, let's dive right into it. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was at the uh, Asbury. I was in Asbury Park at the Stone Pony Summer Stage to see uh, Yacht Rock Review, a cover band that does yacht rock music. For those who don't know, if you have Sirius XM, pop on Yacht Rock Radio. I think every uh, Odyssey, iHeart, they all have a different version of Yacht Rock Radio that you can download and listen to. So it's all you know, Christopher Cross, uh, Boss Gag, Steely Dan. Um, you know, a bunch of different uh, Kenny Loggins, Loggins and Messina, uh, Hall of Notes. It's all this, like, you know, very soft uh, music, Toto, you know, that kind of stuff. And so they're these guys who are a cover band, and they made themselves a pretty big success. I had a lot of fun at the show. It was just a fun atmosphere. Everybody was just into it. People walking around in captain's hats. I actually thought they were going to play the Captain and Tennille, uh, Love Will Keep Us Together. They did not. Um, But it was a lot of fun. Anyway... Uh, we ended up having, uh, the, the group of us that went, we ended up having uh, a late lunch uh, over at uh, the Robinson Ale House, which is situated right on the boardwalk in Asbury Park. Beautiful place to go uh, if you ever want to um, have a nice uh, lunch or brunch uh, down by the shore. And one of the beers that they had on tap, which I thought was great, was from Screaming Hill. Uh, a red ras wheat they had. This was a really nice wheat ale, and I was really happy to see local breweries in restaurants like that, especially... Uh, somebody like Screaming Hill that doesn't distribute that much. So that was really cool uh, to get a chance to taste some Screaming Hill uh, without having to go to the brewery because, again, they're only open on Friday and Saturday. So uh, that was really cool. Great weed ale uh, from the guys at Screaming Hill. And, by the way, portions of the program brought to you by Source Brewing. Uh, get your beer directly from the source, Route 34 in Colts Neck, New Jersey. Uh, we are doing a collaboration between Source and Screaming Hill that will be coming out around Thanksgiving time. Uh, a few weeks before Thanksgiving. I think they're putting it in the tanks next month, uh, which and so it should be ready uh, in time for Thanksgiving. We'll have more details on that as it gets closer. Drownlands uh, Brewery, Spring Terror. This was at Paragon Tap at Table, a banging IPA. Uh, love this one a lot. Um, I like these guys from Drownlands. I'd like to drink some more stuff from them. Uh, that was a really, uh, really good um uh, IPA, as of course, as usual, my mouse is getting stuck here as I'm trying to move up my beers on Untapped, of which you can follow me uh, on Untapped at Gatulo. That's G A T T 
U-L-L-O. Collective Arts Brewing. These guys from Canada make some really, really good beers. And honestly, their sours, their their Berliner Weisses, their their tart ales are really, really good. Um, this one is no exception. Jam up passion fruit. Uh, peachy with a nice hop. Really nice acidity to it. You want that acid in there. You want to be able to taste it. Um, it's definitely not a beer that you would uh, drink three or four of them. But if you wanted to have one or two, uh, I could definitely see that. Sometimes that acidity gets to you after a while. But this was a great beer on tap. It was nice to see it on tap at one of my favorite places, Paragon Tap and Table. The guys from Ross Brewing, um, we had talked about um, Ross's uh, facility that's being built in Middletown. And John, uh, John Cocosa, uh, one of the owners, had given me a couple of different beers. I finally got a chance to crack into the Tom's River Pale Ale that he had given to me. A very nice pale ale. Good hop. A little bit of pine on this. Really, really nice. A very easy drinking beer. Uh, and I just love the fact that they, you know, they a, a portion of their beers they name after different rivers uh, in New Jersey. It's really cool. And uh, I cannot wait for them to open. Uh, you know, they're talking September. I, I have a feeling it's going to be more like November before they open. Um, I know they wanted to capitalize on the good weather, but I, I think the way things are moving along and it's more bureaucracy than anything else, I think that's going to hold them back. So my neighbor, Greg, um, who normally gets beers from me when he goes to Treehouse and other places, uh, was in Pennsylvania a couple weeks back, and he messages me. He was actually at Hershey uh, doing some work for them, uh, repairing a machine or whatever it was. And so he texts me a picture of where he's at. And he says, look at what I rolled into. And where was he? He's at Trogues, because Trogues is right there in Hershey. And he says, do you want anything? So I look, and... You know, they've got some new beers coming out that they're sending me. But one of the beers that I saw on the, on the, on the beer list that they had was a passion fruit guava tart ale. So I said, dude, if they have this, pick me up a six-pack. Well, sure enough, three hours later, he comes home, and he says, hey, I got your beer. Stops at my house. I traded him some beer. He traded me the uh, passion fruit guava tart ale. And let me tell you something, lots of fruit in this, very tart as, as it would be. It's a great beer. Very happy that he picked it up for me, Greg. I appreciate you. Thank you for that. Um, and uh, hopefully, one of these days, i got to get down to Trogues and do the experience. I think in the fall, I'm going to do a couple of weekend trips where I'm, I'm visiting different breweries uh, on a Saturday, take a ride, you know, something in driving distance that I can come back and forth in one day. Uh, I think that would be absolutely worth it. Um, folks over at Founders sent me their uh, Oktoberfest. Solid Marzen. Bready, nice flavor on this. Everything Founders does is fantastic. I know they're releasing a new KBS variant uh, that's coming out at the brewery in a couple of weeks, and then it'll be out nationwide. We'll get to that on next week's program, uh, which, by the way, on next week's program, the folks from Wild East Brewing are going to join me. I was at the brewery. We did three segments with them. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You'll really enjoy this interview. Great brewery in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, just a, a couple blocks from Three's Brewing. you got Finn back around the corner. A really nice enclave. Uh, of brewing, so we'll talk with the folks from Wild East on next week's program. Um, the folks from Timber Timber Ales always do a, fa- a fantastic job with their stouts, big, banging, boozy. But let me tell you something: their kettle sours are just as good. Uh, I must be dreaming the blueberry peach version. Oh my goodness! So many delicious flavors in this: blueberry, peach, vanilla, graham cracker. You get hints of all of it in the can. It pours this dark ruby hue from the blueberry, right? 
but what an amazing, amazing beer. Uh, I love what the guys from Timberales do, uh, do. And anytime uh, a place has something from Timberales that I haven't had, I must pick it up. Love the fact that Paragon Tap and Table gets cans of these guys because they do an amazing job. Then I had, uh, from uh, when I was at Paragon, Equilibrium Brewery, uh, their Einstein's Decadence, basically a vanilla orange creamsicle uh, with a little bit of acidity to it. Um, it wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be. I mean, good beer, but strong. Uh, so really enjoyed that one from uh, Einstein's Decadence from Equilibrium Brewery. Um, the folks at Cape May had given me this a while back, and I finally got a chance to crack it. Uh, on the way to Cape May number four, Boardwalk Lemonade. Oh, my goodness. This was amazing. It tastes just like a lemonade, like a hard lemonade. Outstanding. Outstanding. I mean, it is a hard lemonade. Fantastic. I wish they, they would put this in mass production and put it out for people because I would buy it and drink it all day, every day. A phenomenal beer. Thanks to the folks from Cape May for giving me that one. The birthday cake from Source Brewing celebrating uh, their second birthday. Outstanding beer. Great for a hot day. Very, very tart. On fire. Loved it. So good. So glad I got a four-pack of that. Um, and then also had their Juicy Greenberg, which they actually put out for the fish show. Uh, a day before the fish show started in Atlantic City last week, which was great. A banging double IPA, perfect for a concert, juicy, delicious, great stuff from the guys at Source. And then finally, from Alosta Brewing, um, they had sent me Dig Tussie, their cream ale. Nice hint of sweetness, smooth, light, delicious, really enjoyed the beer. Was so sorry that I couldn't get a chance uh, to chat with um, with Brian from Alosta, uh, but he ended up coming down with the COVID and uh, could not uh, do the interview. So apologize for that. I'm really sorry. Uh, that he got it, but he's on the men, feeling better. And thanks to the good folks from Alosta out in, um, where is it, Covina, California, uh, for sending me those beers. Very much appreciate it. My thanks to everybody involved in the show, as well as my guest, Chuck Aaron, the owner of Jersey Girl Brewing, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m., this has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.